Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Kicked Back, a home for football fans that want to stay up to date on everything going on in the football world. Join Caroline, Liam, and some special guests along the way as they talk about all the trending news around leagues, players, teams, and much more. Now, all you got to do is get comfortable and kick back because we're about to get started. What's up, everyone? You're tuned into Kicked Back, and today's episode's about all the international football we've been mm-hmm. watching, Liam. Of course, lots of stuff going on with club football too. A uh, big Manchester City United game on the weekend, but we're dedicating this episode to some of the crazy things that have happened in the last few days, in the last week in international football. Yeah, it was um, it was different, wasn't it? Yeah. Like it's international, this international break, especially with the World Cup coming up, I feel like there was a lot of questions thrown around yep. about different nations, did they all get answered? No. 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 <laughs> but we are here to try and answer them ourselves, especially on the Canadian front. Yeah. And I, th- I love that you said that. Let's start there. Obviously, I'm assuming most of our audience is a North American audience, and we'll get into USA football tomorrow. But today specifically, uh, let's talk about Canada. Obviously, in their game against Qatar, I think it was expected that they have a good performance against mm-hmm. Qatar. And this is Qatar's first ever World Cup and they're in the World Cup because, and I say this respectfully, but because they're the host nation. So this was a chance for Canada maybe to get their footing, to play together, to see how, you know, formations work and players work together and a good result from them, two goals uh, from Laren and David. And what are your thoughts on on that? I think they did what we all expected exactly. them to do. They went in there, they took control of the game very early. They overpowered Qatar, I guess you could say, and just just ease to a win. Like, they did exactly what we thought. I don't know how Qatar would have necessarily done in a CONCACAF qualifying, for example, compared to Canada. Like, I don't know why they would kind of stack up, but I think it was a good test for Canada to actually play against a team that's going to the World Cup to yeah. show that confidence that they can go and compete. And Qatar, Qatar are an interesting team because we don't know a lot about them. You know, like all their players play in the Qatar Premier League. I think that's what it's called anyway. Um, and they've, they kind of just play who they can play. Like recently they drew against Slovenia, not going to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. They beat Bulgaria, not going to the World Cup. They lost to Egypt. Oh, sorry, they beat Egypt on penalties. And then like the other World Cup opponent before that, that they played was Algeria in 2021. I don't know. Like, it's just a weird team to go up against. I'm glad we kind of got an idea what Qatar is, but I'm glad we also got to see Canada beat Qatar. Yeah. You know? And and what's your hot take with Qatar? 
I, they're going to be the worst team in the World Cup. I don't, <laughs> you just it, say so confidently. <laughs> it, it won't even be close. Like, I just think, you know, like, I, I was, you're, there's a bunch of teams there, like Saudi Arabia. Do we really know what they're like? Not really. But they also drew against the USA yesterday. Yeah. And, like, Iran usually puts together a good show. And I feel like those Middle Eastern teams are usually the weaker ones that go. And out of those three, I think it's clear that. Qatar is going to be the worst team. And you know what? They've got a very difficult group. They do. Like the yep. Netherlands are always a good European team to go. Sometimes they obviously don't do as well as they should, but they've got a good group. Yep. Senegal are the African Cup of Nations champions. Sadio Mane, Mende as well, Koulibaly. And in Ecuador, a lot of people are saying they're one of those kind of like upcoming nations with the amount of young players they've won. I believe they've done well in like under 21, under 20 tournaments recently. So a lot of those players are now coming through. And Qatar, like, I believe they won the Asia Cup a few years ago. So I guess we shouldn't write them off fully. And being the host always gives them the extra boost, of like course. no matter what country you are. But I just don't have that feeling, unfortunately, about them. I hope they do well for the sake of their fans at mm -hmm. the games. Like, maybe get a goal on, like, what Canada did at the 86 World Cup. <laughs> but we'll see. But right now, I'm, I'm writing them off. Yeah, you know what? I think um, in terms of just this game, Canada-Qatar, I think it was a good game for Canada to have because it's one of those games where you can kind of get that confidence that you need in, in international football months prior to the, to the World Cup. So... Um, I'm with you. I hope that Qatar puts on a really good show for their fans and what an unbelievable moment for that country and, and the players who play for that country to be in a World Cup. So I'm always, I always cheer for the host nation yep. um, in some capacity, but for Canada in this match, just a really good opportunity to, to get that match confidence. And, you know, we saw two really good goals. And there's one thing I want to say. I had no idea when we talked about Canada not getting... New jerseys from Nike. Oh, yeah. I had no idea that that was a Nike decision. Uh, I, for some reason, thought that that was Canada soccer's decision because it's just so far, you know, it, it was just such a um, shock to me that that didn't happen. So I sat back. I'm like, oh, maybe it's a superstitious thing. Maybe they really like their jerseys. I don't know. But if Nike didn't make Canada a New Jersey and they're the only team going to the World Cup with a remaining kit that they've had from the past because Nike didn't anticipate Canada qualifying for the World Cup. What a missed opportunity from one of the biggest brands in the world. And I think that is truly unacceptable because you saw Jonathan David cover his Nike, cover his logo. Nike logo. Yeah. Imagine if they did this to England or, Brazil or some other Nike team, I guess. Like, I don't even know if either of those teams are, but either way, like if this was a bigger country that Nike <sighs> had snubbed of an opportunity of getting a new football kit, then the world would be up in arms and this wouldn't happen. And unfortunately for Canada, they're one of the lesser countries at this tournament. And to be frank, maybe they just don't care. Maybe Nike just doesn't care, but maybe Nike didn't realize that Canada's now hosting the next World Cup oh. and should probably put some respect on the Canadian brand and, you know, help them out with new kits. Like it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You're trying to grow the game, but Canada's the only team out of the 32 that doesn't get a new kit. Oh. It's just kind of a wild thing. 100%. And to me, it's like, you can't use it as an excuse. Oh, we didn't think Canada was going to qualify. There's someone on your team who has to say, we have to be prepared for each team to qualify. And what's the decision, you know, moving forward when they do. And it's just such a missed opportunity because you have a country who's missed the World Cup time and time again. And for the first time in 36 years, gets the opportunity to play on the biggest stage. And they're not getting a new kit because 
because Nike dropped the ball. I don't like it at all. And they also have to remember that Canada has one of the biggest footballers in the world on their team. That's Alfonso Davies wearing their new kit. Just from a marketing perspective, from a respect perspective, I don't like it. I think Nike screwed up big time. I think if, especially on the marketing thing, like you said, like with Davis, like seems odd. Like he's such a world brand almost at the moment. I'll get in there at least. And to have him in adverts with like, say, Hurricane Neymar, like Davis, it's not like he's like, unwelcome in like that level kind of thing. Like he's on the, he's on the par of one of the best players in the world. So yeah, like I agree from that perspective. Um, Just on Qatar quickly, because I knew they, they had played in the gold cup a few years ago and they made it to the semifinal and lost to the U S in one nil in the semifinal. And they won the Asia cup in 2019. So maybe I shouldn't write them off so much, but I just don't have that feeling with the group. No, I mean, there you go. Yeah. And in that they played Panama, Granada, Honduras, El Salvador, and then the U.S. So, yeah, not exactly difficult, not to be disrespectful, but anyway, Uruguay. Uruguay. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about it. Uh, obviously, not the hmm, not the start Canada wanted, not the result Canada wanted taking on Uruguay. We all know that Uruguay is a small country, but a country that produces unbelievable footballers. You can mm-hmm. never write them off in these tournaments, uh, but to nothing, they got the result in a in a friendly match before the World Cup um, where us Canadian fans wanted to see what Canada looks like against a team that's ranked 13th in the world and Uruguay obviously having a good test against, you know, I would say the best Canadian team we've seen in the history of our soccer. Yeah, I think from a Uruguayan perspective, then yes, they got tested in multiple Mm -hmm. ways. They got the result they expected to get like we did against Qatar. And I think... The both games were a similar recipe in the sense of, yes, Uruguay got out to a quick 2-0 lead, mm-hmm. similar to what Canada did against Qatar, which allowed them then to almost sit back a little bit and let the game flow a little yeah. bit more, which is, I think, I don't know if deceiving is the right word, because I do think Canada played well, but I think if this was a 1-1 game, for example, I think Uruguay would have taken over the game a little bit more. But I think credit to Canada, they tried to press Uruguay and like stick to the game plan. And Davis was the best player. So like he, he, so was, he was so good. And the flow of the Canadian attack was going through him. Something I was a little disappointed was what was with Canada was like the clinicalness. Like, I feel like Uruguay didn't need as much space to capitalize on what they wanted to do where stuff the Canadians maybe weren't as quick to the attack as they needed to be. Like there was a good example of it when Laram was kind of giving that ball from mm-hmm. Davis and he had a bit of an awkward touch and then they closed him down. Like I feel like if that was Nunez, for example, there would have been a shot a lot yeah. quicker. And I think that's just a level of difference in the teams and it's no disrespect to Canada. They're just not on the same level as Uruguay right now. And hopefully eventually we can get to there. We've got a lot of great pieces in the team. And I think this was a good test for Canada. I think, I didn't expect them to win the game. They outperformed what I thought they were going to do. And I think now, I believe they played Japan right before the World Cup, which will be a really good test for them again. But going into this World Cup, you got Belgium, Croatia, Morocco, who all had good international weekends too. It's going to be tough for Canada and they're going to have to perform better defensively against Belgium and Croatia, especially than they did against Uruguay. I I agree with you. I think defensively there are 
things that need to be looked at and fixed. Mm -hmm. I do think they have time to kind of maneuver and try and figure out what works and what doesn't. I do think from an attacking perspective, Canada definitely tried and a lot of that funneled through Alfonso Davies. The one thing is, is, is they have the, it was just almost that final pass, that final shot that they need to execute on in that attacking third that I think would give them more of an, uh, to become more of an attacking threat. We even saw when David kind of turned and released that shot, that mm-hmm. was their best chance of the game. And if they're able to do that more, Canada's going to find success and, and eventually find the back of the net because the attacking mindset was there. They, they did a pretty good job. It was just that last pass, that last touch, that last shot that maybe didn't happen that needs to happen for Canada. But bottom line for me, Canada versus Uruguay, Canada, I think, left that game feeling like they have the absolute potential to upset a team at the World Cup. They kept possession of the ball. They stayed in the game. They forced Uruguay to make some big mistakes. And I think that if they can improve on their defensive errors and and again, become more of a threat in the attack, they could go into the World Cup with that result maybe being a little bit different. And I think it's so important for them to have that confidence being this close to the World Cup. Yeah, I think the confidence thing is is key for this team. And I think it's it's flowing through yeah. them, especially the way they qualified and there's so many moments throughout that qualification. And this is just, it's, I wouldn't even say it's a bump in the road. I think it's just a yeah. learning curve and yeah. something they had to get through. Um, I had a little theory, which I was talking about Talk with my me. friends yesterday. So I think a big issue with Canada is the speed they have from their two center backs. I think they're both got to defend him, but once you kind of get in behind, it mm-hmm. kind of gets a little exposed. What if Canada put Alfonso Davies as their central defensive midfielder? Ooh, a holding center mid. Yeah, like he can still dictate the play quite a bit from there. But I just think Canada's attacking threats, uh, is the best part about them, right? You have Kyle Lyon up front and you can put David and Buchanan on the wings. Maybe that allows Davis to sit back a little bit more and help out that defensive unit. Because when Canada go up against Belgium, for example, like Lukaku is going to be a lot to handle. De Bruyne, Hazard, like maybe Davis can change that a little bit for them and help be more of a supporting player in that sense. And then he has a free role going forward. A suggestion. John Herdman, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, right? Plus John Herdman, we'd love to have you on the podcast. Um, You know what? Like, I know that Davies, because we heard on the broadcast yesterday, he he wants to play up top for Canada, which I understand. He's he's a threat up top and he's a threat in the back line. But this speaks to the versatility of who Alfonso Davies is. And we've seen him in my opinion, become the best left back in the world at Bayern Munich, if not the top three best left back in the world. So now he's transitioning up into that top role for Canada. And we saw how much of a threat he was against Uruguay in his attack and his defense, how he was able to intercept plays, uh, just even his positioning, his vision, his passing. Alfonso Davies was a guy yesterday against Uruguay that you wanted to give him the ball. So mm-hmm. in terms of a center holding midfield, it's almost interesting because you want your holding center mid to have the ball. You want that to be essentially your quarterback of the team. And Alfonso Davies is super athletic and not only athletic, but super skillful and super talented. So maybe that would be an interesting position to put him in to kind of control the pace of the game. That's what I was kind of thinking too. Essentially you'd be Canada's David Alaba. Wow. Alaba does for Austria where he basically just plays wherever they need him. And I think Canada with Estacchio and Hutchinson 
is good enough that his Davis does kind of burst forward a little bit. Those two are good enough to kind of cover him a little bit more. And then attacking-wise, with the three that I named before, I think it kind of works. Like, I, I don't know if it'll even happen, but it's something, something I think Canada should maybe consider with the attacks they have to go up against in the World Cup. I do think that can benefit them a lot because, like you said, like as a holding midfielder, he would still really be in charge of the yeah. play and do what he's doing right now anyway. You know what? I wonder, I definitely think that he is, we've said that um, Tejan Buchanan is Canada's golden ticket. And I still believe that. And we were saying that we wish we saw him more of in the game yesterday, but we do know that he's injured. And I think it was still a hopeful sign that we saw him come into the game. I think it was important. We Very saw important. Too. I agree. Yeah. As much as I think Buchanan is, is the golden ticket, Alfonso is kind of the guy on Canada and he, he just no matter where he is if he is is playing his game which we've seen him play consistently he's a guy that's going to be an immense threat for a back line and um I I just think he has the opportunity when he goes to Qatar to make his name even bigger than it is so it's very yeah. interesting to see you know where Herdman's going to play him what we're going to see like in terms of positioning because yeah you brought up Estacchio if that if that if Alfonso's almost playing in a dropped midfield role. What's going on with the rest of the midfield? Yeah. And, and how does Canada figure out these kinks at this point in time prior to the World Cup? Yeah, I think that's what I would do. Go a simple four, four, one, two, three, I guess. Four, so four, three, three, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like in my head, I'm yeah. like, wait. <laughs> but I think like Johnston is obviously really good at the fullback and both the fullbacks are good. And that kind of allows you then to have mm -hmm. uh, Richie LaRea maybe come off the bench and give you more of a threat off the bench. And then, yeah, you have Hoyle off the bench too. And then Lyron, David and Buchanan are your front three. Mm -hmm. And then your midfield three is Davis, Hodgson and Estacchio. Interesting. I think that's their best lineup. You should. it gives them more off the bench as clip well. Clip this and send it to Canada Soccer. I will. If We're going to get John call us. Yeah. I got your email, John it's coming your way. <laughs> uh, bottom line. Also next bottom line. I think that this was a perfect time for Canada to get a result like they did against Uruguay, because it was the best time to have a lessons learned moment ahead of the biggest tournament of their lives. Because right now, let's be honest, we don't care about the result of that game. That game essentially meant nothing aside from the fact that we wanted to see how Canada would look like going into the world cup to take on an opposition that's close to a Belgium or a Croatia. So they sit back after that game and they say, this is what we need to improve on. This is what we need to clean up. And holy shit, we can go to the World Cup and potentially upset a team. And I think, again, going back to confidence, that is what, for me, is the positive coming out of that game. They played a good game and they got confidence out of that game that they can say, hey, we can freaking do this if we stick to the game plan and we clean up the lessons that need to be approved upon in that game against Uruguay. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Um like I said, I think they're in a tough group. Mm -hmm. I think they have the ability to get out of the group. It's going to take a lot, especially with the way like Croatia's playing right now and Belgium, I think, are just the favorites. And even Morocco have put together some good results and had some players return to the team. But they got enough skill going forward, at least, to get things done. And I'm excited. Me I'm too. really excited just to kind of see what this team continues to do. Me too. Who's your dark horse, by the way? People are saying Belgium's a dark horse, but I don't know if I think Belgium to win. Yeah, I think Belgium's too good of a. 
too uh, maybe yeah too good of a team to be considered a dark horse <laughs> the, the number two team in the world yeah i don't so know I why don't people are that, saying that yeah exactly that doesn't seem fair to say i did actually put out my prediction yesterday i saw Twitter. that it was very pretty with the flags thank you You're I, welcome. I tried to save the characters <laughs> yeah. so i like denmark a lot i do too okay Okay, they're getting good results. The France one is maybe a little bit deceiving from over the weekend just because of the lineup France played. Mm -hmm. Either way, they beat France. Yeah. They did really well at the Euros, and they're a good team, and I think they're a team that could go far in this tournament again. I believe, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but they would play like the winner of group, uh, sorry, the runner-up in group B, which is England's group, so they would likely play wales are the united states so then that's kind of an easy easier game mm -hmm. for them like it just seems like the path for them could be beneficial which i could see them going far if you want me to make like an outlandish one senegal would be my pick cool i think them and i also don't mind serbia i think they've got a lot of good players yeah there was yeah. a thing the other day i can't remember who tweeted but like it was uh the first how many games it took someone to score 50 goals in international football and it was Mitrovic. Mitrovic and it took him 76 games to score 50 goals for Serbia and it took Ronaldo like 114 for Portugal and Messi was like 90 something I thought that was quite interesting Mitrovic people sleep on him like yeah. he he had an unreal season last year he's continuing it this season he's going to the World Cup maybe you're right like maybe that's a guy who you know obviously he's not in the conversation of like the biggest footballers but he's one that you're like yeah let's put that star beside his yeah. name yeah so here it is games taken to score 50 international goals Cristiano Ronaldo 114 Leo Messi 107 Mitrovic, 76. I love that. Quite an interesting step. That's and I mean, like, he's playing the same teams as Ronaldo, right, in Europe and stuff. And I guess he hasn't gone to as many World Cups, which probably makes a bit of a difference. I don't know. It's yeah. an interesting take. I'm not saying Ronaldo, <laughs> Mitrovic is better than Ronaldo or Messi, but don't it's worry. funny how that kind of works out sometimes. I love, no, I think that's excellent because we are so always focused on the Messi's and the Ronaldo's of the world that sometimes there are other guys who have really good stats like that and not just stats, but performances because stats aren't everything and we don't include them in the conversation as much. So I love that. I actually really hope he balls out and he brings more attention to his name. I think he deserves it. 66 to one to win the golden boot at the World Cup. Wow. If you think Serbia's going to do well, I mean, he's probably going to be the one to score. Him or Vlavic. Um, speaking about stars, putting beside a, a star beside a player's name, I want to talk about a guy on Uruguay. Obviously, Uruguay having extremely talented players. Suarez, Nunes, Bentacor, but I think Valverde, to me, is just a guy that I, at the age of 24 years old, I think he'll be in the conversation as one of those standout players at the World Cup. In five games, he has three goals, two assists for Real Madrid in the month of September. And I just think that on a team of such incredible, talented footballers. Valverde's kind of established himself as one of the most important players at Real Madrid at a young age. And he has some of the best vision, some of the best precision in terms of passing that I would be so happy to see him have this blowout World Cup because he's been having such an impressive time at Real Madrid. If you watch La Liga, if you watch Real Madrid consistently, you'd understand he had a confident, solid match against Canada. I just, I'm really excited to see his World Cup because he's a midfielder that I think at a young age, we're so lucky right now to be seeing all these really young midfielders become so talented and be, and like kind of establish that next generation. I think Valverde is definitely in that conversation. Yeah. 
He's a great football player. I think he will do well at the World Cup, actually. And I mean, being on Real Madrid, it just kind of boosts everybody's right. confidence when you're on that team. And you're around the best players in the world all the time. And then when he goes yeah. to Uruguay, he's one of the best players on that team. So I, I expect him to do well. Although, in my prediction, I did have Uruguay finish last in the group, which oh. was my bold take, but I will back it up quickly. There's always got to be some team that doesn't do well. Yeah, and I couldn't pick what European team it was. I think it might be Spain or Germany, but for me, Uruguay, that's a tough group. Portugal, South Korea, Ghana, and Uruguay. So I, I, I don't hate it, Liam, because there were moments in yesterday's match against Canada where I'm like, I don't, I, I'm questioning where they're losing the ball, how it could potentially be such a bad giveaway. Like I'm watching, I'm like, this isn't the best moments of football. Again, uh, I don't read into these matches too much because it's a very different game, you know, in a friendly versus when you're at the, at the big show. So I don't read into it too much. And of course, coaches try out different players and whatnot, but I wasn't, I didn't sit back and say, holy shit, Uruguay is going to win this tournament. Yeah. That's the feeling I got. There's, they were missing a couple of players, which I mean, so was Canada. So like you said, like the friendly testing things out. But yeah, I don't know. I think this, the history there with Ghana after what happened at the World Cup when Suarez handballed it on the line. Mm -hmm. I think that helps Ghana a little bit. And Ghana's got a little bit extra firepower from guys who have now changed their nationalities to play for Ghana. South Korea usually do well at these tournaments and obviously they have son who's one of the best players in the world yeah. he's a game changer and portugal i just think will be a really tough tough team to beat i mean i think people are calling canada's group the group of death which i think it's probably top two but if there's another one in the conversation i think it probably is that group h so we'll see We'll see what happens. I'm hopeful that one of the teams in Canada's group is that team that's expected to do well and doesn't. I, someone's got it right. Like I, I, I'm just I was hopeful. I was trying to. I was going to make a video on this, but every year there's a team in Europe, a top t European team that doesn't do well. We've seen Germany do it recently, Spain, Italy, England, Portugal. Like even if you keep going back, like Czech Republic were the number one team, uh, number two team in 2006 and didn't qualify for the second round. So. There's got to be a team in here. I, we'll see. We'll see. The, these aren't my final predictions. I will have more predictions coming up soon. I, but I, I don't know. I don't mind that right now. I, I don't mind that at <laughs> all either. Um. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I want you to talk about, as an Englishman, the England versus Germany game. I'm not going to lie. I couldn't watch this game live. But when I went to go watch the highlights after, I saw a six-goal game. But then I learned that six goals happened in one freaking half. And I'm like, what the hell did I miss? This this doesn't usually happen in football. Liam, take it away. So I was here at Nation HQ watching this game. And as soon as Kai Havertz scored that second goal, I just closed my laptop. I was like, I cannot believe this game right now. Yeah, how did that feel, by the way? Going down 2-0. To Havertz, of all people, who's, uh, who's it was fine in the back of the net. Because I have, <laughs> I've been the one who has not been on the Havertz train, and he scores twice. Like, I just say, how oh, he's just not good for Chelsea and stuff. And then he comes into the German team and scores twice, to his credit. And the second goal was really good. <laughs> it was really good. So... That was disappointing. And then my dad texted me and he's like, did you see the score? And I was like, yeah, like they're actually playing well. They just can't score. And that's been kind of the tale of this Nations League for England. And all of a sudden it's just like Luke Shaw, Mason Mount, and Harry King gets a penalty. It's like, what the hell? And then there's the mistake by Nick Pope, which is why he's not England's number one. And for England (laughs) I feel so bad for English fans sometimes see I have a I I have an interesting relationship with Gareth Southgate because on one hand I think that he is a manager who has obviously done well for England the history is there we've been to uh, finished third in Nations League a few years ago finished fourth in a World Cup finished second in a uh, yeah, fourth in the World Cup, second in the Euros. And it's like, okay, this team's on track. But then you almost feel like there's untapped potential with this team, which is, you see it. And people always call him out because he, he said when he got his when he got the job that he would pick players based off form. And then Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw get in the team. But then you look around and it's like, well, everyone else is in form. Like Nick Pope started both games for England. He's probably England's best goalie right now. Eric Dyer has worked his way back into the team off form. John Stones is arguably the best English defender right now. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Jude Bellingham is playing, playing great for Dortmund. He starts. There's just so many players in this team that actually do play well. And England fans just want to focus on the negative of Maguire and Shaw. Well, everyone stopped talking about Shaw now because he scored and he played really well. Oh my God, in that Germany. ball, that ball, unbelievable. Honest to God, Liam, that world class. I can That's like beyond world class. I'm like, what kind of superpower? <laughs> uh, you know, did he channel to to fucking deliver that ball? That was. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry for cussing to anyone who's young watching this podcast, but when I saw that. Him play that ball to who was it to, it was to, to Sterling. Sterling? It was inch perfect. I couldn't get. I'm. You can't. You literally cannot ask a player to play more perfect ball. Yeah, like it. It, it was unbelievable to be honest. And that, that's just what he can provide to the right. team. And then you have Maguire, Harry, Harry, Harry. <laughs> I, I do think Harry Maguire is a good football player. However, right now he is not a good football player. And I think what frustrates England fans the most is that, okay, Luke Shaw comes into the team and proves everybody wrong. 
Harry Maguire comes into the team and just makes the situation worse, which makes Southgate look worse. And I think going into a World Cup when your team can't score goals, having someone like Maguire in the limelight and someone who's like just taking it all isn't fair to him is kind of silly on Southgate's part when you have a guy like Tamori who plays for AC Milan every week and they yes. just want a Serie A. Like, why not give him a game? Why not just see what you have? Because now you have John Stones who's injured. He, he looked like he pulled his hamstring. Like, I don't know what the timeline is on that. I would assume not great at the moment, but just play other guys. Like, just don't put Harry Maguire in that situation. Yes, bring him into the squad. Have a conversation with him. Talk to him about how you do believe in him. Like, he's, Harry Maguire's going to the World Cup. <laughs> People like it or not, he's going to the World Cup. The conversation now is, should he start for the team? The answer is probably because Southgate will just make it that way. And also, Tamor is the only other option. I don't think Connor Cody's good enough to play for England consistently. Mark Gahey was another guy people spoke about. And then you have Kyle Walker, who's the one who came on and replaced John Stones. I just think the, the conversation is going to be about if he should start. And I don't even think it should really even be a conversation because we all know what Southgate's going to do anyway. If you're Southgate, though, what are you doing? Are you starting him? I think I, think I would because... He's, he's played in all these big tournaments. He's, he's performed with the best Harry Maguire we've seen is at the World Cup and at the Euros. And he's proven time and time again, or maybe other guys have proven time and time again, that they're just not as, they're not good enough to play. And that's an issue for England because now you want to play with three centre-backs because it's the, the weakest position on your team. But you don't have enough quality to play with three but then there's almost too much quality up front to, to not play with three. Like it's, it's a difficult job, and I'm glad I don't have to do it because I think Southgate actually does do a good job. I think this team does need to play more freely because there's a lot of skill, and that's what we saw towards the end of the Germany game when England were actually scoring goals, and in all the other games, they weren't playing that way. And I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about the World Cup because I do think England are in a good group where they can gain confidence from playing Wales, US, and Iran, that they can win all three of those games, which then can take momentum through. Yeah. And, you know, it's not been a good run by any means. Like, not scoring goals is obviously terrible. But <laughs> here we are. Like, this has happened now. I think England need to turn the page, just move forward. Hopefully, Maguire can just gain some confidence going into the World Cup. I don't think he will because I think everyone's just going to be on him all the time. Exactly. Exactly. I can't imagine. This is where I stand. He's been extremely inconsistent. He single-handedly forced errors that are unacceptable as a professional footballer. He should not be in a starting 11 position until he gets back into form. However... At the end of the day, he's human and no one gets more negativity, hate, and honestly disdain uh, than Harry Maguire. And it's terrible. Okay. He's played like absolute shit. We get it. But last time I checked, Liam, England has zero wins, three draws, and three losses in their Nations League campaign. Sure, moments can be blamed on Maguire, but that's a bigger problem from a team perspective and it's easy to point your finger at the most hated footballer in the world and yes I'm not defending Maguire but I can't imagine what it's like to be him to go into a game knowing that the first time he makes a mistake he's going to get absolutely annihilated by his own fans yeah. and that's where I don't understand why 
English fans and football fans are on him so much because when you sit back, England has some other issues aside from Maguire to look at and seriously address before the World Cup. And it's as much as he does mess up a lot and make critical errors, it's not all on his shoulders. I, I agree. A lot of people were talking about Trent Alexander-Arnold as well and how he just doesn't play for England. I think an issue with Trent is, is like we've mentioned on this show, like he can't defend. <laughs> so why would you have Trent in the team? I understand he's going forward and everything. He's world class. It's quite, he's quite an interesting player in that department. He defends like a League Two player and he attacks like he could play for Brazil every <laughs> But <laughs> you can't have Trent in this team along with Harry Maguire. But also you can't have Reese James in this team and also Trent and also Kyle Walker and also Kieran Trippier. Like I just, Trent isn't going to fit in this team right now if Maguire is in this team. So I think, I think Southgate has to pick between those two and I think he's picked Maguire. I don't know. I don't think anything's going to change for England in that sense of things. I think the issue England have isn't even defending that much because they only lost one nil to Italy. Yeah. And the goals that were conceded against Germany, Havertz's goal was great. Penalty, which was McCoy's fault. And then Nick Pope made the error at the end. So yep. to, only one of those goals is on Maguire, which was the penalty. So I grew well, up and he, didn't he is. give away the ball at some point for Havertz's second goal? Did he? I, yeah. I didn't even know that. Okay. He did. So like he, he is to blame and I'm not taking the, you know, he has responsibility and especially, you know, some of the things he've said as being a captain at United, blah, blah, blah. Like he thinks that the spotlight's on him. So it's easy to attack him. These things don't help his cause when he makes yeah. mistakes like that. Um, but I just... And I'm curious, Liam, to, to see what you think. Score. I'm not ever concerned about these games outside of the World Cup. Like I said, the most important time will be this day one of the 2022 World Cup. And this England team could look very different come that time. But when you have some of the best strikers in the world on your squad and they're not finding the back of the net, is that like somewhat concerning for you guys? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, like, more so than maybe, not more so, but on par with the Harry Maguire conversation. I, I think the England not scoring goals is more of a concern than Harry Maguire's defending because England should be a team that just dominates possession anyway and has the ball all the time and shouldn't really even worry about defending, to be honest, with the amount of talent they have going forward. But the so going into the Germany game, there was only one other team that hadn't scored a goal that wasn't a penalty in the Nations League. Do you want to guess who it was? It was San Marino. Oh, damn. So that's an issue, <laughs> to say the least. So I think Phil Foden's an interesting player for England too, because I've just, he's obviously really good, but he doesn't do it for me all the time. Like he's not consistent enough as a player. At least when Sterling plays, he like, he misses a lot. But at <laughs> least he's in those spaces to get those opportunities. And obviously Harry Kane's the captain, so he's not going out of the team. I would like to see England rotate a few different players into that position where Foden's playing. Like, I'd like to see Grealish more. Saka should probably be the one starting. Yes. Sancho wasn't even in the team, so how does he now work his way in? You bring Ivan Tony, he doesn't play. Tammy Abraham barely plays. Like, I just don't think there's an. I think, I think what Southgate was trying to accomplish in this two friendly games was. Put together his best England eleven minus Jordan Pickford, obviously because he was injured. But to see what they could do, and I think what we got was not enough. 
So going into it now, you have to look forward and think, okay, well, where can what can change here before we have to play Iran? I think England's lucky they play Iran first at the World Cup and not Wales or the US yeah. because Wales are just, they always just get up for the game. Like it's, it's England versus mm-hmm. Wales and the neighbours, right? And then the US and England, I think US always gets up for that game. It'll be a tough game. So then you have Iran and there isn't much of a history between the two teams. So that's a good place to start. Hopefully England can just figure this out because they're too good to fail oh, again. That's perfectly said. Because I hear you list the names on this English squad, and I'm like, how the hell are they not winning games? They have some of the best footballers in the world playing on some of the best teams in the world, and they can't put together a win like or or, or score goals. I, I, I think you said it best, Southgate, I would not want his job. I think he's got an incredibly difficult job right now, but something is missing in that team because having all these super awesome puzzle pieces that are just not fitting together doesn't make sense to just me sitting back here and, and looking at it all. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. And Saka, I agree. This guy this guy came in and changed the game or the other day for, for England. And he, while he was England's, what was he named? The English Player of the Year or something like that, right before this uh, these games started. So, I don't know. I think that's what I would do. I'd play Saka on the right. Then you have Sterling on the left in more of a free role, I guess. And then you have mm-hmm. your fullbacks attacking a lot more. And then Kane kind of being that complete forward where he's just kind of facilitating the play and everything. And... I think that's the way England needs to start for the World Cup. Bellingham needs to play. Declan Rice should play. Calvin Phillips, hopefully he can get fit and play some games for England. Maguire's playing. Dyer's playing. Pickford's going to be back. Everything's going to be okay, England fans. We're a good team. We're on a difficult run. But this is an experienced squad that I think will do well. Southgate's a good manager, like it or not. He knows how to succeed in these tournaments because... We're not losing to Iceland anymore. We're not getting knocked out by a Cristiano Ronaldo wink anymore with Wayne Rooney getting sent <laughs> off. All, like, all this other crap that's happened to us over the years. We're going into these tournaments. We're doing well. Southgate's got the tactics down. England for the World Cup. Love it. Clip <laughs> that, please. Um, one, before we move on from this game, hallelujah, VAR got it right for the first time in, in years with both penalty calls. Yes. For the, I said, I was like, please don't F this up. Please don't F this up. Please, please don't, you know, further my absolute hatred towards this technology even more by messing this up. But they got it right because both situations were penalty kicks. Yeah. Do you know what? Quickly before we move on, this isn't on England, but it's someone in their group. I was disappointed to see Hungary not win the group. Okay. I think that would have just been a cool story because we've underestimated them so much in this group and also in the Euros where they played really well against, who was it, Germany, France, and Portugal, I think, whoever the third team was. They're doing well. It's kind of weird they haven't qualified for the World Cup considering uh, how strong they've played, but it would have been good to see them win the group and kind of push on to see if they could win the Nations League. That would have been a cool cool. story. Who's the final four now? It's Croatia, Holland. Italy. Italy. And is it Spain? I think Spain's way, yeah. So yeah, Croatia, Spain, Italy, Netherlands, and then getting relegated, Wales, Czech Republic, Austria, and... England. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Liam. That's okay. It's just, you know what? Better now than later. Sometimes you need a reality (laughs) check. Sometimes you need a reality check. And if this is what it takes, the only, the only thing I was honestly a little bummed out about is the fact that 
Scotland got promoted to League A uh, from League B, and it's like, ah, now the Scottish are going to have that over England. <laughs> a little bit. But at least we're going to the World Cup. Scotland. Honestly, it's it's maybe, it's like one of those things that I felt about Canada. It was just like one of those important lessons where you have to regroup and really now sit down because it's, you know, the final stretch before the biggest tournament, which is obviously the World Cup, and what do we need to do to regroup? So sometimes these little wake-up calls, these little situations of figuring, you know, what works and what doesn't, they're kind of almost like a blessing in disguise. There's um, I, when England do get relegated and the draw comes out, I would like them to get a really difficult group. I okay. don't want them to just go and play like Albania, Montenegro, and like whoever. Like, I would love to see them play Norway. Even Finland is a really good team. Iceland, Ukraine. Like, yeah. I want them to have challenges. I don't want it to just be a walk in the I park for them every week. Like, they need to play good teams. The competitive and, nature in the yeah, guys. That's what it, it needs to happen. Uh, frick, my, my World Cup prediction winner, Argentina, man, they're on an 35 game unbeaten streak and there are only four games away from breaking Italy's world record of a 37 game unbeaten streak. So this is, they're entering the World Cup without having lost a game since 2019. The Italy one is so fraudulent. Why? Because they were draw it. They drew like fifteen games. I, I'm I'm fine with Argentina beating uh, beating I, the, that Italy I, record I personally. Am I am. I, I, think it's I, time. I, wasn't, I wasn't chirping Argentina. I think because you look at Argentina, like they're winning games. They're winning. They're winning every game. They won the Copa America in this run too, and like they beat Uruguay three 0 Brazil, they've beat mm -hmm. Chile. Like they've played a lot of good teams. And going into this World Cup, I mean, we just saw it with Italy in the Euros, like. They're in the best form in the yeah. world. And they're the one one of the few teams, I think, that I believe can win this World Cup. And the only other team I think that can is Brazil. Which is so interesting because I swear, and you, Liam, never said this, but when I said online that I think Argentina was going to win the World Cup months ago, everyone was shitting on me because they're only, they were only saying it could be Brazil, it could be France. Um, so it's now interesting to see now Messi's become the all-time leading goal scorer for Argentina with 88 goals. They're the first nation to sell out all tickets for its first three games of the World Cup. Argentinian fans are starting to understand what this team brings. The Argentinian players themselves are really understanding winning the Copa America for the first time in 28 years. And I think football fans across the world are saying, holy shit, there is another team in South America who could potentially raise that cup in December. I think with Argentina, the thing that makes them so appealing to me to win the World Cup is just how there doesn't seem to be many question marks about them right mm -hmm. now. Like we said, the form... They obviously have all the talent in the world. One thing that was kind of wrecking them in the past was the goalie and defenders yeah. maybe yep. weren't up to par, where now they have Christian Romero from Tottenham as a centre-back and Lissandro Martinez at United. And there's like obviously a few other guys, like Otamendi still mm -hmm. in the conversation, who I believe is now with Benfica. And then in the midfield, La Celsa and DePaul, like, two, just playing so well together right now. And then up front, like, uh, hello, Messi, <laughs> like Messi, Martinez, like Di Maria, Alvarez, Di Maria. Yeah, there's so many guys and they they just feel like they're just going to go into this tournament and just continue that form. Like Saudi Arabia, Mexico and Poland. Like there's not, 
<laughs> an overly difficult group, but there's good challenges in Poor. there. <laughs> like, then we'll see kind of what happens from there. I, I'll tell you right now, I won't be getting up at three o'clock in the morning for the Saudi Arabia game, but I, I'll I'll see the other ones. I probably will. I'm going to make a commitment and a vow to all listeners that I will watch every game of this World Cup. And if I have to tape some in between, I will. Um, so I'm going to make that commitment of not sleeping for a month straight so that you guys know what happened in Argentina, in Argentina versus Saudi Arabia. You know what? I think that's the only game that's at 3 a.m. for us, which is kind of funny. Let me have a quick scan. Oh, no, there's a few. But the other two Argentina games are at noon, so I'll definitely perfect, be watching Perfect, those. perfect. Uh, who's your, because I don't really know, who's your pick to win the World Cup? I, I've been, I have pondered this for a while, and I just don't have an answer. I just, like, <laughs> I think Brazil and Argentina are my two favorites. Okay. It would be great to see in our South American final. There's just the the European teams, like France right now. Is Pogba going? Can, is Pogba going to be fit? Will Conte go? If not, there's your two midfielders out of the picture. Is Benzema healthy yet? Benzema, I think, should be okay. Yeah. Um, Mbappe. I, I always think there's some type of drama with Mbappe. Exactly. There's a lot of stuff happening <laughs> there's there. There's a lot him. of stuff happening there. Germany, I just don't have that same belief in anymore. Mostly because they have strikers who just don't score goals. Like Werner doesn't score a lot. Havertz just scored two against England. But See all of those plays. He's really He's good. really good. Belgium, like how many times are we going to give them a chance to be a favor of the World Cup? England, like wh I don't know, like hopefully for my sake. But then you have Portugal and they, they also don't feel like they can. I just don't think Europe has that team right now who's going to compete. Like people are going to say France, of course. Like they probably yep. the favorite out of Europe, but the other ones, like I just don't have that feeling about them anymore. There isn't that dominant European team that we've seen with France at the last World Cup, Spain at previous ones, Germany as well. Like I just, just don't have that feeling. I, I do feel like this World Cup could be interesting in the sense of like, maybe we do get a random team that goes and wins the World Cup, which would be great. But also I wouldn't mind seeing Messi win either. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah. Okay, but... If I were to say, here's a billion dollars cash that I'm going to put on the table for you to give me one team. So go with your mind, not your heart to win the World Cup. Who are you picking right now? Probably Brazil. Okay. Just because I'll give a quick reason. Attacking, they have <laughs> They're every, stacked. everything <laughs> in the world. And honestly, the biggest difference for me between them and Argentina, Martinez is a good goalie, but... Brazil have Allison, mm -hmm. and when Allison, yep. if Allison gets her, they have Edison, and it's just like, oh well, that's pretty good. It's a pretty good one-two punch. So we have probably the two best goalies in the world. My God, they have an insane, an insane roster. Everything. But Brazil, the thing is about Brazil is they always have an insane roster with incredible footballers. Literally, since I've started watching football, which was since I've been ten, so. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to like fold, but I'm, I wouldn't be so surprised if a super stacked team of superstars doesn't win the world. It, it's not, yeah. it wouldn't be that surprising to me if they don't win the world cup. Let me do a quick thing here. So they're okay. in group G, which would mean they would play the runner up of group H, which I have is South Korea. So that's South Korea, Portugal, Ghana, or Uruguay. So that's a pretty, pretty good one to go yep. up against. Group E winner versus runner up. So they would play the group of winner of G, which is probably Spain or Germany against wow. a runner-up in Canada's group. Let's say it's Canada or Croatia. That's who they were playing in the second round and then the, the quarterfinal, semifinal, and then the winner. So Brazil could play Canada? They could play could Canada. Could you imagine Canada upsetting Brazil? Could you imagine living in a world 
where freaking Canada plays Brazil and beats them. Liam, I'd cry. I would, I'd be quite amazed, to be honest, if that ever happened. If that happens, I'm getting, I'm not, I would never, I'm just about to say I'm getting the Canada logo tattooed. They need to fix the, they need to like revamp the Canada logo, then I would consider, but that would be insanity. That would be, it'd be probably the craziest woke up story ever. ever. One of ever, at least. Ever. One of. Um, Let's talk a little bit, probably before we wrap up, Liam, and if there's anything else you want to uh, talk about, but all the drama around Cristiano Ronaldo right now. Probably a little unfair. Tell me what you think, because I'm like emotionally upset about this. I I was talking to my dad this morning and I was giving him my, my opinion on it. And he, you know, he, he had the exact same opinion as me, uh, but I just am like upset at football fans right now. This is just a guy that's wild as for, over a decade now, and I just think yes. it's unfair that he's kind of coming to the end of his career and he's not the world-class player he was. And I think we've just got to respect was he, what he was, which now makes you respect what he now is. And he's, he's just not that guy anymore. Mm-hmm. And he's still a great player, so one of the best. But I don't know. I just I think it's un, he's being unfairly treated. Yeah, here's my thing. He's 37 years old. But he's going also through some of the most adv- most adversity we've ever seen him go through in his entire career. We Cristiano Ronaldo has not been playing as much minutes as we've seen him play in the past. And anyone who knows football knows that when you have those consistent minutes, you need that match confidence, that match fitness, that touches on the ball to have a good performance. And Ronaldo isn't getting that consistently lately. So obviously his performance is going to decline. You can tell he's extremely frustrated and he's most likely trying to get himself out of that rut, especially towards what could be the, his last ever World Cup. Imagine that kind of pressure. And maybe he's not the best player on Portugal anymore. Maybe. But for everyone who's saying he's finished and just writing him off like this, it's so incredibly disrespectful to say about a guy who's given us some of the most iconic moments in football. I don't want to also see those people jump back on the bandwagon when he potentially does something at the World Cup. If this is how Ronaldo's legacy ends, which it could, and I hope it doesn't, but if it ends this way, he deserves more from the football world and fans because he single-handedly at some point put Portugal on the map and many clubs that he played for. And if this is the reception he's getting from some of the football world, it's just simply disrespectful. And I feel for him. I really do feel for him because he's trying. Mm, yeah. And I, I completely agree. I just don't know. I guess I don't know what the expectations are anymore. You know what? And I would say the same thing about Messi. If this conversation was being had about Messi right now, if he had the same situation at PSG that Ronaldo's having at United and, and he went into a game with Argentina and he's just not playing his best, I would say the exact same thing about Messi. They're older, but I mean, wasn't it just the last season that Ronaldo actually did have a really good year. Like goals. I'm sorry, what really happens between age 36 and age 37? He didn't age 100 years. He's just not getting consistent minutes. That's it's it's simply it and and he's frustrated. I would be too and I'm not saying that that sometimes, you know, in si- certain situation Ronaldo has that responsibility, uh, but I I don't think he deserves the backlash he's getting. People are forgetting who the hell he is and what the hell he's accomplished in this sport. There'll, there'll come a moment this season where everyone remembers again. And I will be pissed off. I'll personally reply <laughs> to each and every one of you who's who's trashing him right now, saying you don't get to you know go back on the bandwagon. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm a, I, well, we're both on the Ronaldo train here. Yeah, I really think we are. Yeah, I, I'm a fan. I like Ronaldo. 
I think he's done a lot to grow the game. He's achieved a lot. And yeah, I hope if I hope it works out for him and I hope he gets a good ending. I hope he doesn't just kind of I hope this isn't what people remember of him. I pray to God I, not. It won't be. I shouldn't say that. Like people will remember the good times, but right now people are just wanting to linger on what he's doing right now. And you know what? It'll come a time when all you Messi fans who are chirping him, you'll get the Ronaldo fans right back on you when Messi goes on a downturn. Because unfortunately, it just, just happens. It's life. It happens. It's life. They're old men now at 37, which isn't that old. <laughs> and honestly, he looks more in shape than half the young people who are on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. That's what's crazy. True. He's a monster athlete. All right, Liam, anything else you want to add? Um, I'm good. Big Bolton game this weekend against Lincoln City. So <laughs> hopefully they can bounce back and uh, keep the keep the ball rolling. We are now in sixth in League One with 17 points after nine games. Pretty good. Oh. We had to have our game postponed this weekend because we had too many players on international duty, oh. which is a good thing. Which is a very which good is thing. A good thing. Only, only a couple of games got to happen too. So, yep, get back on the ball this weekend. Lincoln, bring it on. Quickly, uh, City United this weekend. Obviously, we have a podcast tomorrow, but before I forget about this, who's your um, prediction? City. City, yeah. Also, Arsenal Tottenham this weekend True. too. Who do you have? Is that, is that I'm the saying, Emirates? I'm saying Arsenal. Yeah, I think Arsenal. Too. I, I, we, we called this too on our podcast that Tottenham, they're not bad. No one come for me, but I'm just, again, in the Champions League, I'm not convinced and they lost to Sporting. Yeah, they did lose We didn't talk sport. about we that. We didn't get a chance to. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a that was a bad loss for them. I think Tottenham are just going through some learning curves. They'll be fine. But yeah, I'm excited for tomorrow's show. A little bit more international yeah. talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about some of the other teams, like the United States and how they just can't score goals right now, just like England. I know. So and look, look forward to that, US fans. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks, guys. That's a wrap for another episode of Kickback. And thanks so much for listening. You can catch Caroline and Liam here every single week on Tuesdays and Thursdays to give you the latest rundown on all things football. Please don't forget to subscribe and give us a nice five-star rating. Please and thank you. And for even more Kickback content, follow the 90th Minute on all your favorite social channels. See you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.